Okay, very good. We're in the last of the Ain Bains. If you oh, like boy. the Ain Bains, we're in the last one. And we're going to finish that and get into Megillah the, by the end of the day. Okay. Not, not really asking a question, but just I'm, I'm wondering. You have to wrap the more my not to me. Mm-hmm. That these particular Inyanim were isolated for this format. Curious to me. In other words, Ain right. Bain saying, you know, my nafkamina. No? Yeah, that's the Gemara. The Mishnah would, doesn't usually ask my nafkamina, I don't think. Well, the Seder. Yeah. It's the same question. But it's the same. So for every Indian that right, we see, right. in the, you know, uh, that mm-hmm. there, you know, we, we ask. And it's, right, of right. Course, yeah. That's a lot of the Gemara asking for distinction. Mm-hmm. That's that these particular Indian. Particular into the right. There is somebody trying to explain why these things are in Megillah. They try to connect them, but uh, it's a stretch. <laughs> uh, yeah, I hear. It is, it is interesting, though. Okay, let's begin. So, uh, we, um, until we found Yerushalayim, there were other central places where uh, the Mishkan was set up. And the most famous of them was Shila. And the fact we have a sitter named after the Shila sitter, right? The, uh, uh, but that was called Mishkan Shila. So, is there a difference when uh, between Shila and Yerushalayim? So, there is not much difference because both of them were the central places where Klal Yisrael brought their korbanos. So, in Bain Shila Yerushalayim, there's not such a big difference. Mm. Ella, but of course there's always some difference. What is that? Shebeshila Ochen Kachim Kalav Meister Sheni In Shila. They had no walls. There was no wall around the city. And the rule is that um, the holy light, the shlamim, which are kachim kalim, also psachim, and also meiser sheni, uh, just have to be eaten inside the city of Yushalayim. So how would you do that over there where there was no city? So over there, the halacha is bekol hara. As long as you could see that area within visual sight, you were allowed to eat the Karbanas. That's the difference with it. Yushalayim, Lifnim in Acham, Yushalayim, it went by the wall. Vikan, Vikan. Now, in both cases, Kachim, Kadashim, what about the holier stuff? Nechol, Lifnim in Aklayim. It had to be eaten inside the curtains, inside the, wa- the actual walls of the Besamikdash or the Mishkan. Kedusha uh, Shila, now a final halacha. Kedusha Shila, Yeshachra Hetter. After, as long as Shila was up, then you had to go to Sheila. But when Sheila was down, uh, I think it was the Plishtim or whatever, they, uh, when Sheila was wiped out, so then people could uh, then go back to the Bamos. They were allowed uh, to go back to the, the offerings in their backyard and do the private altars. Kedusha Shulayim, Kedusha After Yushalayim, Nebuch was, uh, there's, it doesn't go back to the Bamos. We're going to see, actually, our Gemara is going to give us room to talk about bringing Karbanas today uh, without a base of Igdush or without walls. Uh, it's very, if you, depending on how you learn the Gemara, maybe you should uh, get busy and uh, see what could be done. So let's see. Omer of Yitzchak. Rev Yitzchak taught. Shemati Shemak Riven He said, I heard that you can bring Karbanas outside of the Beis HaMikdosh, at home, uh, in the Egyptian shul called Beis Chonah, even today. 
and it's fully okay. And they did bring Korbanus there. Now, there's a whole story over there. Uh, the Rashi Beishonah, Mizbeyachonah Benosho Shimon Atzadik. He was the son of Shimon Atzadik. Uh, basically, there was a fight between brothers, nothing like a brotherly fight about who would take over the uh, Kahuna Gadola. So since he didn't win, he said, well, I'll go to Egypt to make my own shul. So, Bona Bama B'mitzrayim. He went and built a shul, the scale of the Beis HaMikdosh. He built a replica of the Beis HaMikdosh in Mitzrayim, and he built it not to an idol, L'shem Shemayim. So the question was, were they allowed to bring Korbanos there? So Reb Yitzchak said, it's a very funny expression, Shemati, I heard. <laughs> I heard that they could bring Korbanos, and uh, today, now, when the Beis HaMikdush was standing, they had no business bringing Korbanos. You can't do an alternative shul to the Beis HaMikdush. There's no breakaway from the Beis HaMikdush. Even though there was, that's a, that's a Beis HaMikdush breakaway. But, it, uh, but today, today, you could go to the, uh, since the Beis Yushalayim is not standing, so he said, so first of all, it must be that that's not considered idol worship. Um, now, they clearly meant it to Hashem, but anytime somebody worships uh, Hashem to a different set of rules, it might be a different God. That could be idol worship. But it, so there's a little bit of a debate about whether Kony was idol worship or not. So clearly he held it was not idol worship. And also, because when the base of English was standing, it was holy. But it's not holy now. And what would be the proof for that? And therefore, people could bring uh, Korbanus uh, privately and their, and their Bamas in Mitzrayim. There's, the Torah talks about there being a resting place for Hashem's presence. One is place is called Menucha, and the other place is called Nachla. Menucha is very temporary, temporary rest. Nachla is rest that will go for uh, head to down. Menucha Zushila. Menucha, that references Hashem will temporarily be in Shila. It was over a hundred years. It was a nice amount of time, but um, that was Shila. Nachla Zushalayim. Now, the Torah seems to put them together. They're both in the same Pasuk. Makash Nachla Menucha. My Menucha Yeshach, just like after Shila was destroyed, people could go to their backyard and bring a korban. Af Nachla. Also Yushalayim. When Yushalayim's not in commission, Yeshach Reheter. By the way, they say that's the idea that the, the Kedusha never left the coastal Maravi. Yushalayim didn't stop. In other words, if it had stopped, so then we could talk about whether you could do in your backyard. But Yushalayim is still, it's, uh, the coastal Maravi, the Shekinah is still there. It never left. Uh, but this view is that it did, that, that after Yushalayim was destroyed, there would be a Heter. But that's part of the discussion. Omer, uh, so that's uh, So it sounds like Rabbi Yitzchak was in favor of bringing Karbanus today. That's what it sounds like. He said, I heard. Now, obviously, if he heard, it means he someone agrees with. And that's what it sounds like. So his students, his later students decided uh, to ask his opinion. So Amr Lay, they said to him, Amris, did you say that? <laughs> Everybody wanted to know, right? You know, the, every rabbi, by the way, has something controversial that they said in their uh, ruling that they said that's uh, out there. You know, it's different rabbi. If you, because you have different opinions and you're bound to have not... It, it, um, it, it shouldn't be that every opinion of every rabbi is the popular one. You're going to have opinions that are 
not uh, not fully agreed on or or sound unusual. Um, there are there are if you research, you'll see that uh, that's the nature of it. So they said to him that everybody heard that he had this hetter for korbanos. So Amr lay. So Amris, they said to him, "Did you say so?" Amr Hulo. No, not me. Sorry, guys. Omar Rava. Rava. Rava was one of the students. Elohim. He said, he swears. Omra, you said it. And you taught it to me. I was there, Rabbi. Sorry. My time at Kaharabe. It must be you changed your mind. And that's what he meant. In other words, when he said no, he says, I no longer hold of it. Uh, what's the reason? Mishum Kashi to Rabbi Mori. Because of Rabbi Mori's question. To Mosev Rabbi Mori, Kedusha Shir he said, no, Kedusha Shila, that's true. After Shila was destroyed, there was permission. Kedusha Shilai, Menach Reheter. He said, there's a difference. No, we don't compare the two totally. Va'od Tanan, Mishav Yushalayim, Nesra Abamas. Once they came to Yushalayim, that was it. Velo Hayulahem Od Heter. Vehi Aisa Nachla. That's what Nachla means. And so he later on accepted uh, that, uh, that concept, that. You, uh, once Yushalayim was selected, there was, uh, uh, there was never, uh, never permitted doing these uh, private uh, sacrifices. Okay. So that was the, uh, that was the latest ruling. Tanoi, um, but the Gemara mentions that really you see clearly that this was a subject of argument. He said, I heard when they built the base of Migdash. Now, uh, Rashi brings it took 22 years to build the base of Migdash. It was a long time. A long construction takes a long time, especially by uh, Sheni. It took them a long time. There was a, they had uh, shortages getting material and supply chain issues, and they had security issues. It was really a lot of trouble. Uh, the second base of Migdash, uh, and then the funding stopped. It was a whole long story. So what they did was, before they did the permanent walls, they put up temporary walls so they could bring the offerings. So this is what they did. They had curtains on the outside, the Klein Lazara, and they also made curtains for the inner sanctum. And what the difference was, the El Shebehechel, on the ones on the outside, they, they built them from the outside, meaning that you could build them from the inside, the inner wall. Ubazara. And on the Azara, they made the curtains on the inside so the, that the builders weren't standing on the inside of the Azara. Um, and Rabbi Yeshua said, He said, I heard you could bring korbanos even though these were not real walls. These were just temporary. This is just uh, curtains. And he said, And you were allowed to eat korbanos. So now, if this is true, so we can go up to the Temple Mount and uh, go ahead, because we don't need we don't need to have any kind of walls up to do it. And you're allowed to uh, do you're allowed to do the outside ones, the inside ones, the whole shebang. Nation kitchen, we showed a kitchen side of kitchen. It's still holy. Did they have the walls like this in Shiloh? Yeah, yeah, they had they had regular walls. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. This is describing we temporary were, before the permanent, but there were permanent walls in Shiloh. Yeah. We said there, by the, the Mishnah that we didn't have walls there. That's why it was based on the. Uh, and Shiloh did it. Here we're talking about the base of Migdash. We're talking about uh, Yerushalayim here. So um, in, in Yerushalayim, by Baisheni, they built like temporary uh, curtains and stuff. 
So, but the, that's one opinion. And there's another opinion. So you see that this was a dispute uh, amongst the earlier people. Let's do Rashi here, just from a historical perspective of uh, uh, what's going on here with the curtains. Klayim lahechol. They built Klayim in the Hekel. It's uh, about a third of the way down. The purpose of these curtains were to replace the walls. Shem is bazora. And there they would build an altar, Karasher Pesak Oamoid, and it was called the tent of the meeting. Otherwise, if these curtains weren't there, they wouldn't build Achig Marabini until it was finished. They began to bring Kurbanus immediately. As soon as they came there during the days of Cyrus, Kamal Kashima say for Ezra. But Esri Mishnaim Shana, Akra Kalo Nigmar Abayas. They didn't finish for another 22 years. So they didn't feel like waiting. You know, they didn't want to wait from the Karbanas, so they brought them right away. So you see that you didn't need the building to be sanctified to go ahead and bring Karbanas. Some of the problem today is we're not sure exactly where the spot is. In other words, if we knew exactly where the Mizbeach was, it could be we don't, need the, we don't have to have the walls. But there's a little bit of doubt about where, the, where everything is. There's a pretty good guess, different opinions. But uh, there's more than one opinion about exactly where the spot is. Um, so uh, that's, that's one. There are a few other issues. Uh, but there, there were reasonable discussions uh, that there should, we should be allowed to bring korbanos. There, there is uh, um, today, even without a base of English, that there certainly certain things uh, might be options. But uh, either way, we see from our Gemara that there were two opinions about that. Uh, so Umar, back to the Gemara, Umar, each one said uh, what they, I'm sorry, I skipped the line. Um, so we set it up that those were the two earlier opinions. One opinion was that it's still holy, and therefore you could bring Karbanos. Mm-hmm. And the other opinion was, no, that once Yerushalayim was destroyed, uh, the base was destroyed, it, it's, it, it's not holy now, and therefore you can't bring Karbanos until you actually rebuild the whole thing. So those are the two opinions. So Omer, Veneri, Avashi, I'm not convinced that that's what they were arguing. Dilma, Kulialma, Kitcherishona, Kitcherishayit, maybe everybody agrees that when they sanctified Yerushalayim, it was for all times. It was done permanently. Each one just said what they had heard. In other words, it was just testimony about the curtains. So then the question is, if it was still holy, why did you need the curtain? We thought that maybe the idea is that these were like temporary walls. So if they're temporary walls, that's like re-sanctifying it. But if they really didn't need re-sanctifying, so why did they put them up? The Gemara says, let's need be Alma. It's just for privacy. Just when we, we, we eat in the base of Migdash, we don't want to have me look staring out at the builders. That's all. Those are just privacy walls. It doesn't mean that they were built as a formal function. But you do see this argument in the following place. When the people by Bayashani came up, they counted the walled cities. They counted, they found the certain cities and they sanctified us. Avari showed us, but the very ancient cities, Batl. Misha Batl Oritz, once they went out of the land. 
So there is this opinion that holds when we were there the first time it was holy, but it doesn't stay holy forever. So they're talking about the walled cities, but the understanding would be the same thing is true of the base of Igdush. Basically, did the holiness go kaput once the, everything was wiped out? That's really the question. The first, the first opinion was saying those walls have nothing to do with holiness or anything. Correct, that's right. Just, just so they don't see the construction walls. Right, that's right. Just, just uh, uh, yeah. Beremidhu, more has a question. Omar, Rabbi Shmuel, Bereb Yosef, Ki Elu Well, so the question here was again, so the, when they came up for the second base of English, it sounds like they found certain cities to declare them as holy cities, to sanctify them. And the, the ancient ones were not. So that opinion held that the ancient holiness went off, only what's re-sanctified is holy. So that proves that there was this argument. But the one has a question on that. Why was it that they only found those cities as being walled cities? It was, there were not so many. A lot of the ancient cities were walled cities. There were 60 walled cities just in that area over there. So why would they only uh, count other, if they were looking for ancient walled cities, they should have been much more. Why were those ones counted? When the Benegola came, those they sanctified. So the Morris said, Kitchum, they needed to sanctify them. We just said that they don't need to be re sanctified. We said if they were sanctified, they're always good, as we turn the page. It just means they counted them. So that when the Yidden would settle there, they'd know when to read the Megillah. And really, if you have a good proof from ancient times, you will read the Megillah in them. So that's the, uh, this view holds that the Kedusha stayed the same. So the Gemara that says, though, the problem is, this is quoted in the name of Rabbi Shmuel. We have it two different ways. Before we said in Rabbi Shmuel that it wasn't sanctified forever, and here we're saying it is. Kashi Rabbi Shmuel, Rabbi Shmuel. So the Gemara said, no problem. Two different students got it differently. That's one answer. Or One is Rabbi Yossi, and one is Rabbi Lazar, the son of Rabbi Yossi. There's no wall. Even though there's no wall now, as long as there was a wall beforehand. So now we finish with this uh, discussion that depended on our understanding of the Mishnah about the concept of when they sanctified it, they sanctified it for now, but did they sanctify it for all future times? Most shuls, by the way, are built with a condition uh, that they're only temporary holiness uh, because, uh, unfortunately, the neighborhoods change and often people sell, uh, sell the shuls and uh, you c- couldn't do that if it gave it permanent holiness. But Yerushalayim was meant to have permanent holiness. It wasn't meant to, uh, We have that, uh, that discussion about that as well. I did that with a shul that I grew up with. I just recently sold it finally. Really? Yeah. 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 But I remember all along they knew that, you know, we're in exile. We're not, we don't plan on being here forever. Yeah, I don't know if that was their attitude. I see. Okay. Yeah, so that's, that's the concept. But, okay. 
So now we finally are done with the Ein Bain, and uh, it's interesting the way the Gemara works. It wants to go back to the Megillah that we uh, begun, and now we're going to begin part of the great, great discussion. Now, it's very unusual as far as the Gemara goes. Our Gemara is going to explain a lot of the text of the Megillah. It's actually going to explain uh, psukim. Usually the, the Gemaras only explain halacha, or, or they for sure explain halacha. Sometimes they explain text. Megillah goes into the, the Megillah a lot. So, and, and we begin from the very first words. It, the Megillah begins, then it was in the days of Achashverosh. So the question is the introduction. What does it mean, vayihi, and it was? How do you start a book with and it was? What does that mean? Uh, today we start books that way for poetry. You know, it just sounds nice. And it was. <laughs> but the Torah, if the Torah starts that way, it's telling us something. So what does that introduction, Vayahi, mean? So, Omerev Levi, Tamerev Yonasen, Dovrzeb, Mishore, Biedenim, Ashikra, This was handed down from the men of the Great Assembly. Kolmakam, Shnever, Vayahi. Anytime in Tanakh where it uses Vayahi, Enu El Elashin Tsar. It means things are not good. It's an expression of woe, and it was. It wasn't good. <laughs> That's the mm. So the truth is, there are some the, certain places it's obvious. Certain places, once you know this, you look back and you say, well, well what was the tsar? And you'll discover it. Uh, so, and that, we'll quote a few of them. What was the tsar? Haman was the tsar. <laughs> there was Haman. Okay. And it was in the days of the judges. What about the good old days? What was bad about the judges? There was a famine. That wasn't good. It says that when man began to multiply, so over there it says, uh, what was the bad? Hashem saw that they were committing evil. That was in the times of Noah. Over there it was the people of the dispersion. So you see that so far all the vihis were consistent with bad times. It was over there. What do you got? There's a war. It says Yeshua was in Jericho and Yericho. The angel came to kill him. Hashem is Yeshua and Hashem was with Yeshua. That sounds great. Hashem was with him. And what happens? One of the Jews stole from the cities. They, they were supposed to, uh, when they came into the land and they conquered the idolatry, they were supposed to not benefit from it. So, so one of the one of the uh, the Jews over there took from the booty. He couldn't bring himself to destroy that good money, so he uh, was v'yimal ben Uh So that's what they say that it was like our responsibility. He, an individual, could have only done it because of uh, the atmosphere that allowed him to get away with it. Or some people say it was him and his sons, but I think it was the. Turned a blind eye. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's the way they said. It says over there, now that's a good thing. That was the father of Shmuel. So, he loved Chana, and uh, the sadness was that she was unable to have a child. She was uh, a bit of pain to a woman to be barren. It says when Shmuel got old, what was bad about that? Look in the next passage. So, there's almost a pattern. Like, if you're not sure, what the sad part is, you just look a few psukim later, and, and usually there's a giveaway there as to what was the sadness. Vehi David, the cold of Moscow, that sounds great. And it was David, everything was successful. Vashemimo. Uh, so, what's the problem? Vehi Shol of David. Shol was uh, 
uh, paranoid against David and was uh, beginning to hound him. Uh, over here it says when David and Melech was settled, he finally finished the wars and he settled in his house. But then it says, Hashem said, sorry, David, you won't build the house. It says on the eighth day, the eighth day was the dedication of the Mishkan. That was great. And we learned, That eighth day was amazing. Uh, there's a musical band that decided to call themselves the eighth day for that. You know, it's a, uh, uh, it says that the joy was amazing. I think because of the joy, it's supposed to be joy. I, I don't know. I don't know why bands make up their names, especially joy. It's just like creation. In other words, just like when Hashem created the world, he was happy that the world would be a vehicle for so much good when he created the Mishkan. It was like a recreation of the world. Now there'd be a place where the Shekinah would dwell. So that's amazing. Why does it say Vayahi? And it was. That, that Vayahi is great. Lumara says, yeah, but you forgot what happened. Hashachim Danavir. Danavir got zapped. So it wasn't such a great day. Okay. It's interesting. Even if it's a great day for, uh, uh, well, the truth is it was a tragedy for Klai Yisrael, not even a view. I, I was saying it was an individual tragedy, but still for Klai Yisrael. Okay. Vaksiv. So we're continuing on this line, trying to see if we can find a place where the Torah says Vayhi, and it's not bad. Is that when they got, when, what day did they get killed? On the eighth day, yeah. It was the eighth day. It was the eighth day. Yeah. I, Vaksiv, Vahi, Vishmonu, Shadav, Arba, Meyashana. It says, uh, and it was on the eighth, 480 years. Vaksiv, Kasher, Ra, Yaakov, Israchop. Uh, it says it was the first day. So uh, now we stumped the Gemara. We found a whole bunch of Vayahis that ain't bad. Uh, so what are we going to do with all those? So, um, So that it says over there that that was in between punishment and punishment. Uh, that bracket, was the, it off. But uh, okay, I, I hear. So, uh, but the Gemara is proving that not all vayihis are bad. So Amar Ravashi, you're right. Kol vayihi ika vayihi can go either way. Ika hachi ika hachi, and it was could go either way. Vayihi be may if it says it was in the days ainu alabalashin sar. So we re, we 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 refined uh, refined the definition of it's vayihi may. When you say it was in those days, that means it wasn't good. If it just says vayihi and it was, sometimes it was good, sometimes it was bad. Okay. Chamisha vayihi may hayu. There's five times where it says and it was in the days, and all of them are no good. The first one vayihi may Okay. New teaching, uh, but it's from the same rabbi. It's from the teaching we, we quoted this earlier. That he had certain mesoras. Uh, we, in other words, the the very very beginning of this Gemara, the two dots at the top. Uh, this was handed down from the Anshe Knesset HaGadola. The Anshe Knesset HaGadola wrote the Megillah, but it was written in their times. Mordechai was a member of that body. 
So they had another teaching, and that is, uh, There was a famous prophet called Yeshayahu, probably one of the most famous after Moshe Rabbeinu, and his name was Yeshayahu ben Amatz. He was the son of Amatz. And who was Amatz? So the answer was, he was a brother to one of the kings of Yehuda. And by the way, that made him most effective. Most people, when they were in front of a king, they get nervous. Because kings have life and death in their hands. They can punish people if they're rebellious. Uh, so they stand in front of a king, and, uh, and their knees shake. Uh, his, uh, that, the king was his uncle. The, the, the other royals, they're not afraid of each other. <laughs> That's a, it's a whole different story. So it's telling us that Yeshaya was from royal stock. My Kamash Malon, what's it coming to tell you? Actually, it's coming to tell you also something interesting, which is that Tamar was the mother of all the royal kings. And uh, it comes out that since Yeshaya was from royal stock, that she also was the mother of a prophetess, of a prophet. So not only was she the mother of kings, she was also the mother of a prophet. Uh, that's, uh, for a mother, there's nothing like having children that reach the pinnacle of success. My son, the doctor. For us, it's my son, the prophet. My son, the... So he says, Any bride that has this attribute of being modest, even in her in-law's house, they will merit to have children that are kings and prophets. from How do we know she was modest? Because Yehuda didn't recognize her. When Yehuda saw the person, he said, oh, that's a stranger. Because she covered her face. So normally, because somebody covers their face, does that make them a zona? The opposite. Zonas don't cover them. It means that since she always kept herself covered in her in-law's house, and he really didn't know what she looked like, she merited to have descendants who would be kings and prophets. Malachim, Nevi'im, Malachim, Medavid. Nevi'im, uh, how do you know? You have Nevi'im. So that's from this teaching. Uh, then the Gemara says, and also it says, so you see that there were Nevi'im also from Tamar. Okay, now what else do we have from this great Rabbi Levi from the Anshek Nesagdol? So, Omar Levi, this one is from Avusenu. This is a Mesorah handed down. Makam Arun Enamina he says that if you do the measurements of the Holy of Holies, there was not enough space there. Whoever did it didn't, uh, <laughs> it was an exact space. And he says that if you measure, the Aaron didn't take up any space. That was the there were ten amas. There was ten amas in open space in each side. In other words, if you took a measuring stick, there was twenty orcs. And you did the cherubs. There was no space left for the aron. It was there miraculously. So this is a concept that um, when you what you do for Torah doesn't take away from the rest of your life. It doesn't take up space. In other words, the, the aura, the place of the aura doesn't, you don't think because you're coming to Dafyomi you're missing something. Hashem will make it up to you. The aura doesn't take up space. It's also like uh, when they carry the aura, it didn't weigh anything. In fact, they thought they were carrying the aura, the aura carried them. That's the idea that the aura didn't take up space. Okay, 
that now we're done with the teachings of Rabbi Levi, and now we're beginning. Uh, we we're going to begin studying the subject of the Megillah. So um, uh, what we're going to see is a number of rabbis had lectures on the Megillah, and our Gemara is going to quote the introductions to the lectures on the Megillah. Um, the Megillah, there's it could have been much shorter. It could have just said, Haman tried to kill us, we hung him, finish, let's, let's have a party, right? It's really very quite long, Megillah. So obviously they were trying to convey uh, other teachings in the Megillah. They were trying to convey something else. What are we supposed to learn from it? So we're going to see that there were a number of different uh, uh, ancient lectures on it. We don't have the whole lectures, but we have the introductions. Um, the introductions were based on verses in Tanakh that they felt were teaching us about this time. So some of the psukim we're not that familiar with, so it doesn't mean so much to us, but if you, uh, if you actually look into them, you'll see a whole insight into what was going on. So this is the first introduction to the uh, Purim story. Reb Yonason, it begins with this, Reb Yonason pasakle piska lahai parsha When he began to teach the, the Parsha of Megillah, he quoted the following Pasuk. And an enemy will come And Hashem said, I will wipe out from Bovel uh, the king and the leader. So, Num Hashem. Sham Haksav. Sher Zu Lashem. He says, I, the, one, the writing and language. Nin Zu Malchus. There will be no kings. Veneked Zu Vashti. Basically, Bovel that destroyed the base of Migdosh would be wiped out. They, they actually, their, their culture wouldn't survive. Not only would the king who destroyed uh, Nebuchadnezzar, but the Babylonian culture and their king, their dynasties, that would all be wiped out. He started from howling. In the place of the thorn, there'll be the rose. In the place of the uh, weed, there'll be the hadas. That's Takas Haman, in the place of Haman. And he turned himself into an idol. He, uh, he wore an idol around his neck and he had people worship him like a god. There'll be, uh, come, will come the rush. Who's that? That's Mordechai. He's called the top spice. In other words, Mordechai would replace, he would sit on the seat of Haman. Marjorah. How do we know that Mordechai was called the main spice? Metargum Moridaka, because the Moridaka is Mordechai. You see that Mordechai would replace Haman. Takas in the place of the weed, uh, Takas Vashti Harisha, in the place of the wicked queen Vashti, Baspino Shonebuchadnezzar of Russia. She was the granddaughter of a wicked Russia. She served Rafidas Bez Hashem, who destroyed the base of Migdash. She Rafidas of Yala Hadas, Wokama Hadasa, Zu Esther Sedekis, Shinekra Hadasa. She was called Hadas, Shinebi Yomena Sedasa. There'll be a, that'll be the reading of Megillah, the Os Olaf forever, Lo Yikaris, Eliyamea Purim, that will last until all days, even the times the Mashiach will still celebrate Purim. Yes, yes. Yeah, she, was, she got what she deserved. Okay. But the irony of it was that you had here the most wicked uh, person of Haman and the wicked person of Vashti, and they were replaced by the most righteous, you know, Mordechai and Esther. He began from this. 
Just like Hashem was happy to only do good and do amazing things, when you go against Him, He will uh, be happy to punish you. Um, so, uh, is Hashem happy to punish the wicked? So, uh, this does it refers to those that come against you. Is Hashem happy when He punishes people? Over there, it doesn't use the word tov over there. All the psukim and tehillim say that Hashem is good, except for over there where He punishes the wicked. Why doesn't it say Hashem is good in this Thanksgiving? The reason is, Hashem isn't happy to destroy the wicked. And if that's not enough for you, that the angels didn't come out at the night of the splitting of the sea, they wanted to sing Hashem's praises. Hashem said, My creations are drowned in the sea, and you want to say Shira. So you see that Hashem isn't happy to punish the wicked. So why was he happy when the wicked Dahaman had his downfall? Hashem himself isn't happy. It means that other people will be happy when the wicked are destroyed. Hashem himself isn't happy that good and evil have to exist. But uh, people that suffered from evil were meant to celebrate when the wicked are destroyed. Rev Abba Barkana Pasaklai Piska Parsha, he he begins this parsha from the following. To those that are good for him, he gives wisdom. Visimcha and joy. that refers to Mordechai Tzadik. Lachita to the evil, Nasan Inyan La Asov Liknos. Hashem puts it in their mind to be people that gather things, that be the people that amass things. That the wicked amass things. Uh, why do they do that? To, to give it to the good people. Haman spent his life amassing wealth. And uh, in the end, all that wealth that was amassed was amassed to give to Mordechai. <laughs> Little did he know that all that work that he did in gathering all the booty and all the gold was for the sake of the tzaddik. Yeah, that's right. That's right. That's that's right. so that's that's what that's how he began his teaching. Uh Bar Ifin how he said the following. I'll put my throne in and I will erase the leaders Melech Zu Vashti. The king that refers to Vashti. Vashti wore the pants in the family when she was the um actually that's eventually why Akashvarush destroyed her, was that he couldn't stand the fact that she lorded over him. She used to tell him that you're only king because you married me, because I have the real royal blood. He wasn't royal stock, Akashverosh. So she had to go. <coughs> That's one of the reasons that the next queen wasn't a, a royal. Uh, he wanted to show that he didn't need a royal for the royal blood, the next queen. Vesarim Zuhaman. Haman was an officer of Vesarim Spanav and his ten kids. Okay, we will stop here.